0: Hello everyone and welcome to a forum as presented by, what are we? First Presbyterian Church of Hastings, Nebraska. This is a Sunday morning forum. Today is Sunday, October 4th. Uh, My name is Damon Heitman. I'm one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church and our Subject for today is how First Pres got involved in the work of anti-racism over this past summer of 2020. Um, Maybe a couple of thoughts of of how we might continue to participate in that work going forward as well. So I'm joined by a variety of folks from First Pres and we'll go uh, clockwise around the screens, at least as they appear on my screen. I know that they don't appear in the same order on everybody's screen, which is very frustrating and confusing and if Zoom could work on that, that would be great. So uh, Damon Heitman, as I mentioned, one of the pastors at First Prez, uh, joined also by Greg Allen Pickett. Greg, if you could greet everyone.
1: Hello, uh, I am Greg Allen Pickett, and excited to be here uh, with Damon, as well as with some of the youth from our church who have uh, participated in this work this summer, and I'm excited to talk about it and reflect on it with them. So
0: Nice. Uh, Diane L., you would be next. Would you like to greet everyone?
2: Hi, I'm Nyanel Duong.
0: And uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing these days.
2: Um, I'm. This is my second year, and I go to CCC, and I'm living at home, and I'm studying um, social work. All
0: right, very nice. And Lily, you would be next.
3: Good morning, everyone. I'm Lily. I'm a freshman in college at Hendricks College, but we're online, so I'm still in Hastings. <laughs> <laughs>
1: woo
0: and Grace, you would be next.
4: Yes, I'm Grace Kennedy. I'm also a freshman in college, and I go to UNL, go Huskers. I'm actually, <laughs> th- I'm not just online, so.
0: Right. Uh, and uh, I asked all of these folks to join us for reasons which will become clear throughout the course of this, so but I wanted to start with a word of prayer. So, um, Greg, if you wouldn't
1: mind. I'd love to. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather, to engage our hearts and our minds in the work that you have called us to, the work of justice, the work of righteousness, the work of love in this world. We're particularly thankful for those who are gathered here via this technology and the opportunity to reflect specifically on the work that you have called us as your followers and your church The work of anti-racism because we recognize that racism is the opposite of what you have intended for your people racism divides us and you call us to be united racism is based in hatred and you call us to be people of love and so lord let your spirit move among our conversation this morning your spirit of wisdom your spirit of truth your spirit of understanding And above all, let our words this morning reflect your love for us and our love for the world that you call us to share. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So the summer of 2020 in the United States
0: uh, was tumultuous, probably not a strong enough word for it, Um, and sort of spurred by the deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and a number of other folks as well. Um, First Prez, amongst the staff, we started to have a conversation to how how are we being called to participate in the work of anti-racism? And what might that look like for First Prez? So I thought maybe Greg, a good place to start would just be kind of an overview of how we got um, to be involved in those things, uh, what what those what that work looked like, um, also over the course of the summer.
1: Absolutely, and I'll start perhaps um, before the start of this summer, and just an acknowledgement that the the Presbyterian Church uh, as a whole has been involved been involved in anti-racism work for a long time, um, going all the way back to the to the Civil War. The church split over these issues, and Um, And then during the civil rights era, the Presbyterian Church was an active leader in fighting for civil rights. Um, There are some great pictures of the March on Washington, where the um, the leader of the Presbyterian Church, uh, who's called the moderator, was standing on the steps of the Capitol with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and the other leaders of that. Uh, And so I'm proud to be part of the heritage of that, and I think that heritage continues to this day, and First Presbyterian Church of Hastings throughout its history has also stood against injustice and stood against racism and stood for inclusion and equality, and so that that's a tradition which we inherit as members of First Presbyterian Church and that we are called to then carry on, and so this summer gave us an opportunity to do that. Um, as you mentioned, Damon, the things were uh, difficult in our country with respect to race relations with um, the death of Breonna, Breonna Taylor in the spring and then George Floyd at the end of May. And uh, and it was actually uh, uh, someone who grew up in this church who's now a seminarian named Sarah Babcock. Uh, and Sarah's at seminary in Louisville. And she approached us and said, uh, what are we doing about this? And that was in the midst of our our staff already having conversations about what to do about it. And so with Sarah Babcock's leadership, as well as uh, the support of other church staff and volunteers, we decided to to have uh, a series of discussions this summer, given COVID-19 and safety precautions, they were all held via Zoom, but we started uh, what we said was a a summer long conversation on anti-racism. So it started in June, we encouraged the whole church to watch the movie Just Mercy. And the cool thing was that the movie studio that had released that movie, the movie was a few years old, uh, they had, because of what was going on in our country, had made it available for free on all the streaming platforms. And so we encouraged our entire church to watch the movie Just Mercy, which, which tells the story of an unjust incarceration in the South and how somebody fought, to, uh, fought for justice. Uh, a lawyer came down there and fought to, to free this person who was unjustly incarcerated because of his race. So the whole church, uh, many members of our church watched that movie. And then at the end of June, we held a, a discussion via Zoom or actually a series of discussions via Zoom. Uh, that went so well, we, we decided to continue it. And so for the month of July, we focused on a book and a movie called The Hate You Give, which is about uh, one teenager's um, sort of interaction with racism in a borough in New York City, is that right? I think it was New York. Sounds right, maybe. Has anybody else
0: read
3: that?
1: Lily, Grace,
3: 9L? We have, but we don't remember.
1: Okay. Okay. (laughs) Um, And we learned too that The Hate You Give is actually one that they're reading at Hastings Middle School, uh, which is great. It's technically a piece of young adult fiction that was made into a movie. And so as a church, again, we, we either wa- read the book or watched the movie. Um, I read the book. I have not seen the movie, although I'm told the movie is quite good. Uh, and so then we convened a series of discussions in July about that book and movie, The Hate You Give. Um, and then in August, we moved on to uh, another book called uh, I'm Still Here by Austin Channing Brown. And she's an African-American woman who reflects on her Work specifically her work in churches and in uh, faith-based nonprofits, and how she herself has experienced racism in those contexts, both in uh, covert and overt ways. And so we reflected. We read that book and held a series of discussions to reflect on her work. So that was that was the work. It was really based on this notion of of learning, um, of trying to open our eyes and our minds and our hearts to the experience of, that people have had with racism in our country in the last 10 years uh, or 15 years. And um, that, was, that was kind of the, the gist of our study was exposing ourselves to these personal narratives of ways that people have been affected. And mixed in with that, we also, um, two students from Hastings High School uh, were um, interviewed about their experiences with racism in Hastings. And, uh, and also in the midst of that, we, we had the anti-racism rally that we held here in, in Hastings, Nebraska, that you'll hear more about uh, towards the end of this uh, forum. And so it was, a, it, was a, it was a good summer. It was a busy summer. It was a challenging summer, to be honest with you. Even for us, because uh, for many of us here in Hastings, we were exposed to some of these issues of racism, uh, some of us for the first time. Uh, that we didn't realize were were issues, both locally in our community, but also nationwide, about the ways that the insidious sin of racism has infected not just individuals, but also systems and structures and powers. And in the words of the Apostle Paul, he talks about the that darkness has entered into the powers and powers and principalities. And in, in our present time, and so we reflected on that as well. And throughout all of this, we were specifically focusing on the role of the church, what role does the church play? And what role do we as members of a church, as followers of Jesus Christ have in addressing racism in our communities, both on a personal level, but also on a systemic and structural level. And uh, and we wrestled with those questions. And I, uh, I just to ground this a little bit in scripture, I was, I was thinking about this this morning as I was driving in. And um, when Jesus begins his earthly ministry, Uh, In the Gospel of Luke, uh, he he walks into the synagogue, and he pulls a scroll out of the Torah, and he unrolls it, and he reads it, and it's from Isaiah, and he reads these words, that the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolls the scroll back up, sits down, and he says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And so those, those themes of Jesus' ministry throughout his uh, earthly life, of proclaiming good news to the poor, freedom for people who are imprisoned, whether it's physically imprisoned or imprisoned because of systems like racism, and setting the oppressed free. And it really is our call as Christians and as the church to continue this work of Jesus' ministry, to continue to proclaim the good news to the poor, to continue to seek to set the prisoner free and, 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 or, and to help the oppressed. And, and that's really what draws us to this work as the church, because we recognize that uh, a country and a system in which racism is present is one that is, uh, is not reflective of the kingdom of God. And not reflective of our call to love our neighbors as ourselves and to love God. And so, that's a uh, that's a high level overview, Damon. I didn't give you a chance to give me any questions there, but any, no. any questions or follow up or ideas there? <laughs> well,
0: you, <laughs> you you walked on a couple of my questions that I had, but uh, <laughs> I, it's uh, it's interesting uh, this this idea of the the pro the proclamation of the good news, right? Of uh, so gospel is the word um, that gets used, right? And uh, and part of it is right is this is joining in the work of liberation uh, and that sort of thing. And part of it also is this to so use that as as a method of self reflection as well, right? And so um, so that we take a look at where we are as individuals and examine our own. Our own blind spots, our own places of ignorance, um, which that just means a lack of knowing, um, and and take time to do that sort of self-reflection as well, um, and I'm wondering if in the course of those discussions, if any of those sorts of things uh, came up for participants as well.
1: I would say absolutely, uh, I, I can certainly speak for myself, um, and um, the movie Just Mercy and the book um, both were reminders of me that the insidiousness of racism is, is present in the criminal justice system, uh, of which I am a part of in some way because I pay taxes and I'm part of that system. And so what we reflected on with that was that it, it wasn't just sort of one evil person, one sheriff or uh, one DA, but in fact, the whole system was set up to treat Black people differently than white people. Um, and, and I had to do my own reflection to realize that I am living in that system. I am part of that system in some way. Um, and I'm grateful that in Hastings, I have not heard stories of things like this happening, but I moved here from Atlanta and in the South, we've we've seen that and experienced that. And and then throughout the summer, as we heard more stories from Hastings, we didn't hear any direct ones specifically about the criminal justice system. But uh, the two students from Hastings High School reflected on their own experiences and um, how it's 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 difficult for them. And that was that was confronting uh, to learn that even in our own beloved community and even in our high school, which is full of wonderful teachers, uh, many of whom are members of our church, that on some level these things were still happening there. And uh, that challenged those of us who live in Hastings and love Hastings because we haven't experienced that because of our own context. And yet to hear that those experiences have happened here was uh, was difficult and challenging. Uh, and then And then to do the reflective work of, okay, what am I then called to do to ensure that these experiences stop happening to people uh, so that they are treated fully and fairly and equitably. And, um, and so that was, that was some hard work that we did this summer uh, throughout the summer with, uh, with this discussion group uh, is, was taking these narratives from places outside of Hastings and then realizing that there are people within Hastings who have similar narratives um, and then thinking about how we may have, participated in systems where this has happened, not directly, not, I mean, I don't, what, what I'll say is I don't know any racists that attend our church. I, I don't know anybody in our church who, who says specifically, I think I'm a better person because of the color of my skin, or I think you're a worse person because of the color of my skin. I'm glad that we don't have that sort of overt racism in our church. But the realization that there are systems and structures in place that perpetuate racism was a challenging realization for all of us. And we were confronted with that and wrestled with that all summer.
0: Yeah, and within those, and I'm gonna bring in um, Lily and Grace and Nine L here in just a little bit, um, so they can, that, that's your warning. Um, now I lost track of what I was gonna say. Um, <laughs> well, okay, I kind of remembered part of it. Uh, the setting for The Hate You Give is Garden Heights. Um, which um, is described here as an inner city neighborhood in the southern part of the United States, possibly a fictionalized version of the Georgetown neighborhood of Jackson, Mississippi.
1: Oh, so it wasn't New York. My bad. Yeah. So there you go. And we should
0: mention also that there um, it wasn't just First Prez who was involved in those conversations, um, the good folks at um, The UCC Church over on Marion. First Uh,
1: Congregational United Church of Christ.
0: Yes, thank you. And Pastor Jessica Pallas uh, were involved in those. Um, Dr. Jean Harriet, um, who uh, spent time at recently retired, I believe, from Hastings College, uh, was part of those discussions as well. Um, And we had folks from different congregations. We had folks join us from Iowa. That was my parents. Um, (laughs) That sort of thing. But... And you and I led a couple of those groups, some of those sessions and conversations. And, and the amount of, we had folks who had been involved in this kind of work for years and years. Decades, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had folks who were kind of just starting to tiptoe into these um, who had never heard the term um, structural racism or institutional racism before. and. And, and the amount of really honest questioning and, uh, and searching and wondering um, that went on in those discussions and in those conversations was, um, was really rather encouraging. Um, and we made an intentional decision to start with a focus on personal narrative, um, to learning and hearing the personal narratives of others. Because um, once you hear that, it's really kind of hard to deny someone's someone's personal experience, right? You you really can't say, well, no, that, that didn't happen to you. um, When it very obviously did happen to them. Um, And I don't know if I had a bigger point that I was going to make other than that. Did
1: I have a bigger point that I was going to make? Well, the, the other thing again, and I'll just tie this back to our faith uh, that it was, it was, through our faith, through the that was the lens through which we were viewing this, and the lens through which yeah. we were viewing our call to address it, and so, and that that continues. Um, that work continues. It's it's work we will do the rest of our lives, uh, which which we call kingdom building work, right? Building building a world that looks a little bit more like the kingdom of God each day, and we recognize that if there are systems and structures in place that make some people be perceived as less than. Uh, or feel less than or be discriminated against, that is not what the kingdom of God looks like. And so we're called to ensure that the world looks more like the kingdom of God in the work that we are doing as Christians individually, and particularly as the institution, the church.
0: Yeah. And you brought up that little bit
1: of Jesus
0: reading the scroll of Isaiah. And we could point to a number of other scriptural passages as well. Love your neighbor comes to mind, which is what I titled this forum session, um, do unto others as you would like them to do unto you, comes to mind as well. Um, And uh, one of the events that took place over the course of the summer, we actually got to know our neighbors a little bit more. Uh, There was an anti-racism rally which was held in Hastings, which First Pres was involved in. Um, Greg, you worked with a group of pastors to write a statement condemning racism uh, that was uh, presented at the rally. Um, I gave
1: And published a, mm-hmm, in the Hastings Tribune as well. Yep.
0: Uh, I gave um, a prayer at that rally as well. And when we showed up at that rally, which was um, held downtown in the open grassy area next to the Masonic Center, I don't know if there's an actual name for that, half a square block or not, but um, we showed up there and I was... Um, I was thrilled to see people that we knew, a good number of people that we knew, but in particular for me, since I have worked with all of them, there were a really a good number of youth um, and youth type people from First Presbyterian Church who were there, including amongst others, Lily Black, Grace Kennedy, and L Duong, which is my clever segue to bring them into the conversation. Are you all there? Yes, are yes. okay. Good deal. Um, so, Lily, Grace, Nine L. I know that there were others, um, other youth from First Press there as well. But you all took part in in the anti-racism rally that was held downtown. Uh, could you describe for us just a little bit of what that looked like, uh, what it felt like, if what you know about how it was organized, um, and your involvement in it.
4: I mean, we were just protesters at the march, at the rally, you might call it, but I can't say a lot to how it was, like, structurally set up, but um, there were multiple speakers of people of color that spoke on their own experiences, not only in Hastings, but just, like, in life, and I thought that was really important to hear because... I feel like as people, we understand that, like, good question. Um, no, what I was trying to say is I feel like people of color's, uh, their perspective and their experiences are what's most important because as a white person, I can see how I've privileged off of my whiteness and I can see how I've benefited from that. And I, know that throughout history there have been this that and the other like examples of racism but to hear from people in our time now people that we know and live in our community with us and hear them talk about how they've been oppressed by our very own community was very powerful for me at least just to like know that I mean it's kind of silly not to think that it won't it, like think that it wouldn't affect them like I feel like that's part of white privilege is not having to think about that like your race not having to be something that you have to consider in certain situations and not really be like a reason that people look at you differently really Um, so I thought that was interesting to see just like other people's perspectives and people who've had first hand experience because really when it comes down to it with the whole anti-racist movement and Black Lives Matters movement, the voices that matter the most are the people of color. And I feel like as white people in general, we can support them and work with them against racism, but it's not, it's not about us. I feel like it shouldn't be about like, we shouldn't, feel like we should be gratifying ourselves by like saying oh yeah I went to the march and oh yeah I believe in anti-racism I feel like that's the bare minimum that we could be doing you're talking about
0: it's like sort of using using that as a way actually sort of boosting yourself
4: exactly uh, exactly and I feel like I don't want to say it's been a trend but I feel like this summer it's definitely been a trend of people to like almost like hop on and for a split moment it's like they care about that but I feel like anti-racism as a movement is something that's never going to be over like I'm never going to stop learning about it there's always going to be more things for me to improve on and like personally and our system as a whole and yeah I think the majority of what I was trying to say is that I just think a lot of people don't realize that racism still exists even, it feels like. I feel like people are like, oh, well, the civil rights movement happened, so everything's peachy keen. And don't realize that it's something that's ingrained in our systems, in our society, and just, like, our social ways. And because we don't have to think about it daily. Like, it's not something that is on our mind and I feel like this is just like this was like a big eye opener for a lot of people I hope.
0: Right yeah so kind of what I'm going to hear you say is part of what you sort of took away or part of what you felt was really valuable from that event was was hearing these other personal narratives um, from folks right Ninel um, I'm curious uh, what you might have taken away from that or, or why you showed up at that rally um,
2: I showed up Uh, Me and my siblings, when, like, we heard of it, we uh, all wanted to go because we thought that, like, this is, like, an important, like, issue that's happening, like, all over the world, like, here in the United States. So we all decided to go. And um, as Grace was saying, like, I like how there is, like, a variety of speakers there and, like, the ones telling their own stories so people can understand, like, how um, people go through it and, like, they go through, um, uh, like, experience racism, like, in different ways and that was good, and I liked seeing that, um, like, my pastors were there, that was, like, I wasn't expecting it, but it was, like, a cool experience to see there, and see that, like, other, like, youth group members, like, Grace and Lily were there, like, um, and, like, other young people, because um, the way, like, the world is happening, it's kind of, like, a crazy place, so for, like, young people to, like, educate themselves, and, like, see that Um, this is like an issue happening in the world and like educating themselves like so that they don't continue to add to the problem in the world and like go to want to be part of the solution and like first step is like recognizing it's there and stuff like that and to like see there's like um, people from the high school and like young people there was like good to see.
0: Yeah Uh, you bring up something that I wanted to ask you all about right Uh, you talked about you kind of mentioned briefly the state of the world currently um, as folks, uh, I believe you're all under the age of 25, right? Uh, what, what do you think about the world currently? Are you excited about it? Are you not excited about it? Uh, are you hopeful? Are you not hopeful? You're just going to stay in your room forever.
2: Um, uh, I don't know how I feel <laughs> kind of, like scared to see like what's gonna happen next since like all this crazy stuff is happening and to see like how people are gonna handle it, like how people are like handling the coronavirus and stuff like that. And like how people are like, how um, the even like the racial issues, how it's like a debate. Like I don't understand how people are debating it. Like I don't see it as like a political issue that needs to be debated, but some people do and just like see how um how the younger generation is gonna like interpret all of it and because we are the next generation so we're gonna like affect the world next to see how like we're gonna take it in. so i don't know (laughs)
3: yeah oh okay well i'm like really hopeful because Uh, I think with the power of our generation, like social media, I think we've started to like take these issues like on our back um, because we think like the whole world's, you know, riding on us to like make change. Um, So I'm really hopeful for our generation actually. Um, But right now it's like every day I wake up and I like read the news and it's just like really depressing um, to hear about like, I don't know, it's just, it's really hard, but I'm hopeful for what's to come.
4: And yeah, I just want to say, like, piggyback of what off of what Nino said about, like, how, like, systemic racism and, like, social injustice do, like, having to do with race shouldn't be something that's, like, a politically charged topic, really. Yeah. Or, like, oh, this side versus that side. I feel like it's just a humanity issue. It's not really, like, a Democrat versus Republican kind of thing. And I feel like that's what a lot of people are making it out to be. And like Lily said, like, I am really hopeful for our generation because I have seen a lot of people, there's just, I feel a lot more compassion for fellow people and like understanding of other people's experiences. And it's also a lot easier to like understand other people's experience because it's so easy to share your experience on social media. But I also feel like there's a lot of pushback from our generation. Maybe not a lot, but there definitely is some. I just, I don't know. It just feels like we're at a crossroads in the history of the world. And we can either go down one path or the other. And I'm just uncertain as to which way we're going to go. I know which way I want us to go, but doesn't mean it's going to go that way. But I think we as people just have to try our hardest to push it towards justice and towards equality of people. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm going to, I'm going to mention briefly that, um, uh, our worship service starts in a little bit. And so Greg might have to step out to do some things to prepare for worship service, just so if that happens, people aren't scared. Right. Um, well, what I wanted to say after that was, um, I think, like particularly Lily, Grace, Niall, and, I know, uh, and uh, others that showed, up. I find the fact that y'all showed up um, for that for that rally um, to be tremendously encouraging, right? That uh, so much of life is just about showing up uh, and showing up for others, in particular, right? And I'm gonna guess that part of why you showed up at that rally um, had something to do with the faith with the values that you inherited that were uh, taught to you through First Prez. Um, so I'm curious, were there things that you sort of learned through this particular community that uh, sort of helped to propel or compel you um, towards, towards caring for others? <laughs> uh, or towards living with compassion as you were talking about, Grace?
4: I definitely feel like in our youth group, like, in the discussions we have, or we had, sorry, weekly, (laughs) um, that not necessarily that we bring on issues of race all that often, but it just felt like we were talking about compassion, and we're talking about having empathy for your fellow man, and I feel like that relates over to race a lot, and so it wasn't necessarily that we ever, that I can remember that we ever like specifically touched on the subject, but I feel like the general moral idea of just like being kind to people and wanting the best for other people, no matter how different they are from you, I feel like that was touched on a lot, and that was something that was really focused on in my youth I feel like not, I feel like more than other places was, like in school you can't, you can talk about morals in maybe an English class if it comes up in a book or something, but this was, like, youth group was someplace that that was something that we meant to talk on, and, like, we had the privilege to be able to talk on freely, and I thought that was really important and definitely strengthened or helped me grow my compassion for other people a lot, personally.
3: It's, like, the simplest principle, which is, like, loving your neighbor. so, like, I don't know. It kind of comes way. back to like I don't know why it's it's just a thing to do like be nice to everyone it just
4: seems like a very simple a very simple concept to me yeah. to just be kind to people but I feel like we have to go beyond that and understand people's situations and understand how we as people can affect those situations and affect the system that has been so inherently racist but I do think it starts simply with by recognizing that you're a part of that system and just trying your best to, the least we can all do is just be kind to other people. I really think it really just comes down to that. It's mm. just general kindness yes. to a fellow man.
1: 9 L,
0: any thoughts there?
2: Um. Yeah, as Grace and Lily were saying, how like we're um, always touched about compassion and like Loving one another and stuff like that. Um, so, like, when we're in youth group and stuff. So, I feel like, how could I like go to church and like learn those things, but not like reflect that out on the world and like go out and like, like teach what I've taught at church. Like, I don't, I don't know how I wouldn't be able to do that. So, yeah.
1: This is it, Greg. This is like what we're trying to do, right? <laughs> well, let me just. Uh, i 'm going to step out here, but let me just say uh, thank you to all three of you uh, for uh, showing up uh, and more than showing up actually going out and living uh, the faith the Nainel, the consistency between what we learn in the church and what we say in church and how we go about living our lives I see that consistency in the way that you all are living your lives, and that is what gives me hope for the future so thank you for that. Um, and let me just say this work is not done. This work is never done. We will continue this work, uh, as long as we are the church and as long as we're called to live our faith. So thank you for th- your participation in this work, both throughout the summer and throughout your lives. And thanks for tuning into this. I'm going to step out and get ready to start 10:30 worship where we are going to go proclaim more of that hope and that justice and that call to serve and that call to love. And then we're going to go out and keep living it in the world. So thank you all. We'll, uh, We'll see you later. Bye Greg. I just
4: uh, to yeah, go ahead. Hey something, <laughs> um, based off of what Nyanel said, uh, that she's, she said like just proclaiming like the message that we've learned in youth group out into the world and I felt like I just wanted to mention that I feel like yes we are people of faith but it doesn't feel Like when she says that, it doesn't make me feel like we're like Bible thumpers that are like trying to shove this message down everyone's throats or anything like that. Like I feel like sometimes it's associated with Christianity and with like spreading the good news. I feel like it's just leading by example and showing how to be a good person and how to have compassion and care for other people. And I feel like that's something that branches, reaches out, beyond religion, like I feel like that's just something that we as human beings should be able to share, and no matter someone's religion, I feel like we have the ability to share that. It's really just a matter of people's personal wills, but
0: yeah, yeah, so um, you're talking about evangelism, right, which is uh, the way that we share what we would say the good news is, right, you may not know that this is what you're talking about, but this is what you're talking about, right, and one method of evangelism is is to insist that people believe and think exactly the way that I believe and think, right? And another method of evangelism is to simply live my life as honestly and authentically as I can and let my actions reflect my beliefs and my convictions and let others bear witness to those actions, right? Uh, which is not, I think, is that, is that kind of like the distinction that you're trying to draw there?
4: I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking of, honestly. But I feel like a lot of it is really like, you can't, I feel like trying to get someone to believe exactly what you believe just causes more rift and more division in people. And just leading by example, it's almost like taking the higher ground. And yes, I think we need to be having like the hard conversations about race and about systemic racism in America, especially. But I think it comes to a point where you can't just like force someone to believe the words that are coming out of your mouth, like even though you believe them so much, like you can't force them to change their ways. So the most you can do is just to show them through your own actions, like mm-hmm. the right side.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's an interesting question occurs to me. Um, Grace, you mentioned you, you saying yes, we, we need to have these difficult conversations. Um, Greg's talking about the work; it needs to continue. Uh, there's still work to be done. What do you all think is? What do y'all think is next um, in this work? Is it? Is it more conversation? Is it more rallies? Is it um, policy action? Um, where do? You, where do you all think this is going? Where do y'all hope or want for
3: this to go? Okay, the first thing to do is vote for elected <laughs> officials who believe in this kind of thing. Um, I think that's the easiest thing and it's, it's election season, so everybody, okay. you in. So <laughs> some, some continued civic action, you're saying? That's the, that's the bare minimum, But I
4: feel like it's all of the above, like everything that you said, like having the conversations, going to rallies, policy issues. I feel like we need to get more involved in our government, I mean, let's not talk about government. I have so many opinions. (laughs) We don't need to go into that, but...
0: (laughs) How do you think that we, how do you think we keep having these conversations?
3: I think the base of that is just becoming educated about the issues, which I'm still doing, and I think we all are still doing.
4: Yeah, I feel like you can never stop. Yeah. I feel like it's never, like, you're like, okay, I'm done. I know all that I need to know. Like, that's never the case with any social issue really but especially with race especially when you're not a person of color yeah. or a person of a race like you can never know enough and it's not that you're even knowing it's just that you're educating yourself of other people's experiences and of the actual like laws and systems that have oppressed these people for so long for an ungodly amount of time quite literally ungodly <laughs> and <laughs> that's It's not that we're just going to change it in, like, in the blink of an eye. Like, we are going to snap our fingers and everything's just going to be right. I feel like it's going to be a battle for a long time. And I really do think that conversations are probably the most important thing because, like, we as the, the people in our Zoom right now believe about the same things about race and about, like, what equality should look like but there are a lot of people who don't believe that. And I feel like the more we have these conversations and the more people's eyes are open to that, if they want them to be opened, I feel like that's when the change is made. That's when things start to get better.
0: Nainal, what are, oh, I'm sorry, Lily, go ahead.
4: Actually in a
3: small town in a red state, it's really important. Mm.
0: That's all. Uh, what are you? what are you thinking is next? How are you thinking these, conversations are going to keep playing out are you having these conversations with folks
2: um yeah as grace was saying and lily like can, like everything that you said should continue and i say like continue the conversations with like your peers and like educate yourself and like encourage others to like educate themselves so they like know what's going on and also vote that is very important especially as young people we should be able to to go out and vote and use our voices because like I feel like a lot of young people they feel like they don't they say like their um voice doesn't matter or whatever like that but that's not true like you need to educate yourself and like vote because some people like when I ask like oh like what do you think about like the politics and stuff they're like oh I don't know I don't know if I'm gonna vote or I don't know anything about it which is like crazy because I don't know how you can go on social media and not know anything about what's going on, like in even the slightest. But yeah, to keep the conversation going and encourage people to educate themselves and educate yourself. Yeah.
0: You mentioned um social media, Nino. Is social media helping us or hurting us?
2: Um I feel like helping us because um like everyone's on social media like everyone like even on like tiktok (laughs) like TikTok. it's very educational as some people may not think it is like people there's like all people of ages like you can go on tiktok and learn about like health and like what is going on in the world like there's like doctors and lawyers and just everything on tiktok so like social media is another way of like educating yourself and like just like opening up the conversation to have because like yeah so social media is good
4: I feel like it's both like it both is helping and hurting I feel like it's helping and educating and just like opening people's eyes and showing them like what's happening in other people's lives and everything but I feel like the only way it's really hurting is that people not really like don't fact check things but they kind of just like believe whatever they see like on social media and I feel like that is something that I myself don't even really know how to like check absolutely everything to make sure absolutely everything I see is 100% true like I feel like that's very exhausting but for the most part like people just sharing their stories and sharing their experiences and their thoughts I feel like that is a lot and that says a lot and it brings a lot of people together and I think it connects people in a way that hasn't really been possible before um, especially like worldwide like I know that there's been marches in other countries about the racism and systemic oppression in America, and I don't think that would be possible without social media the way it is right now.
0: So it becomes easier to sort of connect these, all these, before they would have just been loose threads that maybe you would have heard about, but maybe not, Uh, and it becomes easier to sort of put them together into one garment, I suppose, right? Um, So continue my thread metaphor uh, what else any other other thoughts anything else that you were hoping that I asked about but then I didn't
4: I think it's something as simple as I don't know I don't think people realize how whitewashed our country is in general like Lily and I were talking about this last night and just like learning in history like growing up is almost like black people didn't really exist except if they were slaves like that's all we really learned about Mm -hmm. so you're kind
2: of talking about
0: the just like what narratives are generally known within the culture yeah
4: i just think it's like even even jesus is extremely whitewashed and like we know where he came from and we know that he was middle eastern and we know historically that he would have been a person of color but in almost every depiction of him in European or American art, he's a very white person. And I feel like that's because white people have controlled the narrative for so long and just like not allowed others to speak. That I feel like we've just become so comfortable in our racism and that it is like a hard thing to push past and to like acknowledge that it's there and to work against. But I feel like it's something that we have to do. Mm-hmm.
3: and even like in small things or like just changing your language Mm -hmm. like it's also like really important to just do that um even like the small racist remarks which you hear a lot um, just
4: be constantly learning yeah like
0: can you can you give like an example lily i mean i think you're kind of talking about microaggressions sorts of things
3: yeah um like actually grace taught me this that to just call them like instead of saying african-american it's actually more respectful to say like just black person Or like a person of color. Because you don't know if they're
4: American or from Africa, and it's kind of I don't want to say stupid, but stupid to assume it's racist almost to assume that they're from Africa just because that's that's what you know about black people and about where they're from, and also like asking people, oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Hastings. No, but like, where are you from? (laughs) Like asking someone's ethnicity as (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) as if that's something that is your information that you're like entitled to know. And I, it's, I feel like, Greg said this earlier, how like, we don't have like overtly racist people in our congregation. And I feel like that's generally the case for a lot of people, but it's not necessarily overt racism that is the problem. It's the little minute micro-racism, little comments and mindsets and thoughts and oh, it's just a joke and all these little things that just build up over time and have been building up that that really create the racism and the racist culture in our society right now, I feel like. I feel like all those things add together and equal a lot, all these little pieces.
2: Um,
0: Manel, anything you want to make sure that you, you add in before I'm going to close, I'm going to draw us to a close here in a little bit.
2: No, what Grace and Lily were saying, I agree. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna draw us to a close. Um, My honestly, my most heartfelt, deepest thanks and appreciation to Grace and to Lily and Nainel for being willing to join in and have this conversation. Uh, this morning, but beyond that, for just being themselves. They're all wonderful people, and I wish that you could all know them, but uh, only I am that privileged, so there you go. <laughs> uh, uh, let's, I'm going to end to Greg as well, I guess. Okay, at any rate, uh, let's, I'm going to draw us uh, to a close with a word of prayer. Loving and gracious God, um, though it is often challenging, I Thank you for the call that you place upon our lives. Um, the call that seems so simple, um, and actually really is pretty simple, um, but it's also kind of hard as well, to love our neighbors and to treat others the way that we would hope to be treated. I pray, oh God, that you might continue to give us the strength and the courage and the patience that we need to be able to do such things, that the way that we live our lives may reflect the value of love that you have instilled in us. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, my thanks again. Uh, I will see you all around the neighborhood, perhaps, hopefully. Uh, My thanks to all of those who joined us uh, or watched later on during the week. Uh, Again, this has been a forum as presented by First Presbyterian Church of Hastings, Nebraska. And uh, until next time, toodaloo.
3: (laughs) Toodaloo. Thanks, Simon. See you later.
2: Bye. (laughs) Bye, everyone.